0: As the disciples of Jesus all started being killed for the cause of Christ, as you came out of the New Testament time and into the, in that first century, John, the Apostle John, is exiled to the island of Patmos, and God gives him a pen and a vision and says, "Write down what I'm giving you to say." And it started off as seven letters or seven letters to seven churches, but then he begins to write this apocalyptic. Literature, as he starts to write down the things that he's seeing in visions, and God's giving him these things. In the fifth chapter of Revelation, as John starts talking about Christ taking a scroll and those around him falling and worshiping Jesus, John says something interesting about prayers. And in Revelation 5, 8, when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. And it says, each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense. And it says, comma, which are the prayers of God's people. Any of God's people here tonight? Any of God's people watching online? Well, with that statement, to me that paints a very clear picture that our prayers are stored forever in heaven. You cannot pray a prayer that I believe falls on deaf ears, so to speak. That that God just, it just hits. It might feel at times that you send a prayer and it just hits a tin roof and falls back on your head. Anybody ever felt like that before? Certainly. But here John says, and he had these 24 elders and they had gold bowls which are filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. So... Tonight, I just, one week, just want to talk to you about purified prayers, purified prayers. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for, again, who you are, everything you have done, are doing, getting ready to do, Lord. What, a, what an incredible journey we get to go on in this thing called life, ups and downs, Lord, but the one consistent thing is you're always with us. You told us that. You promised it. And we feel your presence, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, God. And we're able to worship you, Lord Jesus. So speak through me tonight, Lord, and really talk to us about uh, communication and relationship with you. In your name we pray. Amen. So the Bible is written with many types and shadows meaning that something was uh, often written about it actually points to not only maybe one thing but something else and so in this case John he writes about incense which points to the prayers of the saints incense is a, anybody ever burn incense Yeah, all right. They like the smell of it, maybe. I don't know. Not necessarily even a spiritual thing, just some people burn incense at their home. It's aromatic, biotic material that releases fragrant smoke. When burnt. And so throughout the Old Testament, incense was used and it was mentioned many times in the Old Testament, very spiritual meaning. There was an altar of incense placed in the holy place of the Old Testament tabernacle. I just talked about the tabernacle a little bit on Sunday, how you'd come up, there'd be an altar of sacrifice. And we Sunday we talked about how that pointed to the repentance, to the bloodshed, to dying out. Then there was a brazen laver, a place of washing and cleansing. We'll talk about that this Sunday. And then you entered into the first part of the of the building of the tent. Uh, the the second part is where the holiest of holies was, the ark of the covenant. There was a veil that separated the two areas, and that first part was called the holy place. In that holy place, one of the three pieces of furniture was an altar of incense. And so. Uh, that altar of incense, it was in, that was an area where each, each spice or fragrance selected for spiritual use had to be rigidly examined. And it's neat because, you know, back then you'd be out in the desert heat and you'd have this animal sacrifice, which would have no doubt been bloody and messy and smelly and you'd wash and then there'd be, you know, there'd be cleansing. But it would still, you know, there'd still be in the heat and the stench. But then all of a sudden you'd enter into that holy place and imagine what that would be like as you came in out of the sun and then the aroma of incense filling the room. It's a beautiful thing, too. The closer that you get in your journey with Jesus Christ, the way things just, it starts to look better, smell better. Everything's better as you get closer to Jesus, okay? Everything looks better as you get closer to the presence of God Almighty. And so, Scripture tells us a little bit about this, this process. Exodus 30 in verse 1 says, then make an altar of acacia wood for burning incense. So God specifically tells Moses, you're going to set up a tabernacle. You know, they had left Egypt after 430 years of bondage. They're going to go through the wilderness on this journey toward their promise. But God says, I want you to set something up in the middle of my people that all the tribes will dwell among, uh, dwell around me. And I want to be in the middle of my people. And so he says there's going to be, and so he sets them up with this beautiful just steps of what he wants them to do. And so in verse 7 of Exodus 30, he says, Every morning when Aaron maintains the lamps, he must burn fragrant incense on the altar. Every single morning, there should be incense coming up before the Lord. Incense is the prayers of the saints. Every single morning, there should be incense coming up before the Lord. And each evening when he lights the lamps, he must again burn incense in the Lord's presence. Well, I pray once a day, but does God want to hear from me multiple times a day? I would say so. And this must be done not just for you, but from generation to generation, That each morning and night, there should be something that is set up in our homes that we instill in our children that incense needs to be coming up into the presence of the Lord multiple times a day. He says, do not offer any unholy incense on this altar or any burnt offerings, grain offerings, or liquid offerings. God commands the high priest that the incense should never be unholy. As, the minister, as ministers of the gospel, you know, sometimes our schedules are, they will fill up traditions, protocols, even ministries. Uh, God commanded the ministers, hey, in, in all of the things you have to do, Aaron, you got a lot of responsibilities around here. But let me break something down to you. Every single morning and night, you need to go into the holy place. And you need to maintain the incense that comes up as a sweet savor before the Lord. Morning and night, I don't care how many things are going on and how many important things that you're dealing with, even if it's ministry itself, he says, don't ever forget the incense. And in the New Testament, again, we see that the prayers of the saints are the incense. And that speaks to me because no matter what our traditions, busyness of schedule, what our ministries might call for, we must never get too busy to pray. Sometimes we can feel justified in not praying if we're doing something for the cause of Christ. But we see all the way in the Old Testament, he says, burn the incense morning and night. Aaron certainly had a ton of responsibility, but he said, make sure that you're always taking care of this. And we must not only pray, we must pray with a clean heart. Psalm 23, 24, 3 and 4 says, Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. Flip to the New Testament. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 8. Beatitudes, Jesus says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. And... T- to ensure the purity of this incense, it was something that could not be taken lightly. There was a process that's detailed in scripture. To many of us, we might fly through this in our reading going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Burn the incense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Burn the ark. Or, uh, not burn the ark. Build the ark. Uh, don't burn the ark. Build the ark. Build the ark. That we say all these things that that there's all these details about length and width and height and where to put stuff and what to build it with and, and, and all these details. Why? Because God always has a plan. And look at just some of the details he offers in Exodus 30, starting at verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, collect choice spices, 12 and a half pounds of pure myrrh, six and a quarter pounds of fragrant cinnamon, Six and one quarter pounds of fragrant calamus, and twelve and a half pounds of cassia, as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. Also, get one gallon of olive oil. How many of you are willing to admit that when you bake and when you cook, sometimes the directions are just there for yeah, and you just kind of add in how you feel? Anybody ever do that? <laughs> Confession's good for the soul. This is good. And then you get to the cookies. Sometimes you're like, you know, those are a little dry. I guess I didn't put but he here he says, no, no, here, I want twelve and a half. I want six and a quarter. And he says, like a skilled incense maker, blend these ingredients to make a holy anointing oil. Use this sacred oil to anoint the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, the table, its utensils, the lampstand, the accessories, the incense altar. Anoint all of it. And he says, the altar, the burnt offering utensils, wash base its stand, consecrate them to make them absolutely holy. After this, whatever touches them will also become holy. Anoint Aaron and his sons also, consecrating them to serve me as priests. And say to the people of Israel, this holy anointing is reserved for me from generation to generation. Can you sense how important God's making this? It must never be used to anoint anyone else, and you must never make any blend like it for yourselves. It's holy. You must treat it as holy. It's not something that should just be taken irreverently. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, just throw that together. Let's mix it up. That stuff smells good. Let's make it in our home. No, no, this is holy. It's set apart. It's sanctified, consecrated. He says anyone who makes a blend like it is going to be cut off from the community. <laughs> that was interesting. Then the Lord said to Moses, gather fragrant spices... Resin droplets, mollusk shell, galbanum. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing these things right. We don't have these in our house. Mix these fragrant spices with pure frankincense weighed out in equal amounts. Using the usual techniques of the incense maker, blend the spices together, sprinkle them with salt to produce a pure and holy incense, grind some of the mixture into a very fine powder. You could really just preach a lot of messages. You're the salt of the earth and, and, and the salt should be added and there's preservation there and when you add it in and there's anointing and it's not just for yourself, but anyone who touches you should experience holiness. There's a whole bunch of things you can go with here. I'm trying not to get too deep. Because then I talk too long. Glad none of you said amen. That was nice of you. Sprinkle them in a the salt. He says, grind some of them into mixture, verse 36, in a very fine powder. Put it in front of the Ark of the Covenant where I will meet with you in the tabernacle. You must treat this incense as holy again. God is really adamant about this incense. Never use this formula to make incense for yourself. It's reserved for the Lord. You must treat it as holy and you think sometimes I am redundant. God sometimes is just like, let me repeat this. Yes, I'm trying to somehow make my redundancy spiritual. Anyone who makes incense like this for personal use will be cut off from the see prayers, prayers are sanctified and special. We should never enter, just like we read about here, this incense is supposed to be prepared. We should be intentional. We should measure it out. That we should know what the process looks like. That when we pray, prayers should be sanctified they should be special they shouldn't be entered into a time where they're flippant or just like yeah oh yeah hey what's up god like no there should be time where we go hey it's measured out i pray each day for a certain amount of time i pray in certain locations i set this side of time aside to be in the presence of jesus Prayer is something that should be handed down from generation to generation, just like the incense. Our prayers should be purified, just like the incense. When Job was going through his terrible time of trials and testing, he said this in Job 16, 17, he said, yet I have done no wrong and my prayer is pure. Prayerlessness is a a declaration of independence from God prayerfulness is a de- declaration of dependence on God. One says independence from God. One says dependence on God. I don't want to be a prayerless person. I want to be a prayerful person. Growing up, independence was good in the sense of accepting responsibility, of pursuing relationships, calling unique to ourselves. But independence can have a downside. And that is when we go off and do things on our own that are not so noble or maybe that we're not ready for yet. A child is never so happy as when he bats his parents' hands away and says, I can do it by myself. Ties a shoe, rides a bike. And for parents, those are huge events. Those are milestones. Look! Tie the shoe by yourself. He rode the bike by himself. Wow. And we're excited. And then a couple days later, we're like, oh my baby. They often launch the parent down the road of starting to let go. Yet the parents also fulfilled in being able to say, Well done. But when we become adults, sometimes we become the ones that bat away the hand of our Heavenly Father and go, I can do it by myself. God, I got this. And just like that, he will let go for us to experience the things we think we can do by ourselves. Zig Ziglar tells a story of a little guy valiantly but futilely trying to move a massive log to clear a pathway to his favorite hideout. He tugs and tugs. He's trying to move this, but despite his best efforts, he can't budge this log. It's huge. Well, his father standing nearby says, Have you used all your strength? And he's like, Yes, I, I, I gave my all and I can't budge it. And the dad quietly says, Son, you have not used all your strength because you have not yet asked me. Jesus stands. And sometimes we're just spinning and pushing and kicking and we're just trying to do too many things alone. And he's like, man, I would love to help. So haven't asked. Let's get practical. Prayer is actually easy, but prayer is actually hard. is that kind of ironic? I mean, how hard is it? to pray tomorrow. Well, I just got just gotta get up and talk to Jesus. That's all. I just have to set that time aside to just get in the presence of the Lord. That's it. That's all. I mean, your day will be inc- you you will feel God. But then I'm hungry, and I'm tired, and I'm busy, and I got to be placed, and there's a schedule, and I got to drop this off, and drop her off, and pick him up, and run over here, and got this, and I got to go shopping, and got to get to work, and I got to, and they work they got this whole thing, and so they asked me to come in early, and I got to, will stay late, work overtime, and, and like our lives are just doing all this stuff, and so prayer becomes hard, but it's really easy, it's easy to pray, but it's challenging to get rid of the thousand distractions that prevent us from our prayers. You know, one Methodist preacher and writer who wrote on this subject of prayer in the 1930s, he listed a number of hindrances. And so I thought, you know, we'll just look at these things and and kind of look and go, if I'm not a praying person, if I'm not praying like I want to be praying, what's hindering me from doing so? Well, you might find yourself in one or more of the things listed here. We'll take a look at this. First is the obstacle of time. Now, some people will say, I don't have time to pray. Well, you don't, you know what I find? People that are, it's not like people that are retired, all of a sudden, they just have more time to pray. Or people that are, oh, I'm not working right now, I'm between jobs, all of a sudden, they become prayer warriors. doesn't happen. Because we are who who we are. It's the core of our being. We have the fabric of who we are as a person has already really been determined. And so guess what? You're going to find that you probably will pray about the same amount retired as you did working. You're going to find that you probably pray about the same amount working your job as you are between jobs. Now, you might pray more if you really need the money. You're going, God, hear me. Then we get the job, and he's, oh, back to normal. Now, the others make time to pray. Really, everyone has the same. We've all been gifted with the same amount of time. It's just that some people try to claim that they need 11 hours of sleep, and some make it on five, somewhere in between the two. Some will prioritize things that others don't prioritize. And so we all have the same amount of time, the time to verify that the incense is prepared. You think about it, Aaron, to, hey, I'll measure it out. Make sure it's this much. Put it, I want morning, night. You got to maintain the incense. That took time. And the incense is the prayers of the saints. Powerful, purified prayer time does not just happen. It does not. You're not just going to wake up and be like, I came out of bed and whoa, God got a hold of me and we just had the most powerful prayer time. As you develop powerful prayer times, you go through a lot of dead prayer times. If I'm being honest, you're not going to feel goosebumps and tears every single day that you pray. Kind of like when you're married to someone, I'd like to think that my wife just feels incredibly in love with me every single day she wakes up. I mean, like every day she rolls out of bed like, wow, I'm in love with this man. But I'm not naive. And sometimes love is a decision. It's a commitment. My prayer life is not just based on how I feel, just like marriage is not based how you feel every day. There's times where you say, No, no, I made a decision to love this person. This is a commitment. This is who I am. This is the fabric of my being. This is what I do at this time. I get in the presence of Jesus. And so I do this, pray without ceasing. So you have time, and you have priorities. Is prayer a priority? We have to look. We have to look at our schedule. Where, where, where do we put this in? The obstacle of place, as challenging as it is to find time to pray, finding a place to pray is especially, sometimes equally challenging, especially if you have little Children. Who has has children that are under the age of 10? Okay. Do they enjoy your company? Do they enjoy your attention? I mean, like, that's heaven on earth to them. If you will just look at them and listen to them and cuddle with them and talk to them and play with them. And so, if you're sitting on your recliner or kneeling somewhere or sitting at the table reading your Bible, the kids don't come down and go, hey, Let's not bother mom and dad right now. They're in a spiritual moment. (laughs) You want to say, guys, I'm a better dad if you let me pray right now. I'm a better mom if you'll just give me some time. They don't register that. So you can say, mommy's praying right now. Okay. Hey, mom. (laughs) I hear it sometimes. My wife will try to wake up early and every once in a while one of those little babies will wake up and just meet her on the couch. Hey, Mom. I know I'm praying right now. Okay. Mom, what are we doing today? (laughs) It's like, that only was four seconds. (laughs) Develop a location. Was it Sister Vesta? Who was the one that said they used to go hide out in the bathroom? One of the great women of God said, sometimes I would just go into the bathroom to pretend that I'm going to the bathroom, just to get some time. Be consistent. Third is the obstacle of fatigue. Tiredness is an ever-increasing issue in our 24-7 connected world. We used to leave work, okay? And I say we used to. I'm kind of in between those generations where I got a little taste of that. But for some of you that are older than me, you know that when you, when you clocked out, you would leave work at work. Well, now they have these incredible inventions that you can send out messages and stay connected and the interconnectedness through all of the tablets and cell phones and smartphones and all these things. And now they got them in the watch so like you can just know everything and it buzzes on your wrist and it's incredible. Except for the point that you, we don't ever disconnect. It's always there, morning, noon, and night. And so... It can be tough to pray because if you wake up, the emails through the night have already been there. And so, well, I, I, I get up and, oh my goodness, this email, I got to respond to this. I'm going to surround this and then I can hit this one. Oh no, there's another one. And I already got my first phone call. My text started coming through and, oh man, that's right. I meant to pray. I'm going to have to pray tonight. And we come home and we're totally exhausted and the messages and texts are still coming in from whatever it is that we deal with that it's very easy to lose sight of that time with Jesus. And so that's why I always pray at the beginning of my day, not at the end. Of course, there's pray without ceasing. We, we, we talk to God throughout the day. But that dedicated, set aside, this is my time with Jesus. For me, I don't try to have that time when I'm trying to get my kids in bed. Get them bathed and brush your teeth and read a story and let's talk. Like, that's not the time. We'll pray together. But that in-depth, consecrated, it's me and Jesus' time. I believe that God talks about the first fruits. And so for me, I don't try to just give that to him in finance. I try to give that to him in time. And so the best part, the first part of my day, I want to be in your presence, God. I want to start this day by going, God, what's your plan for this day instead of God? That was a long day. The obstacle of an undisciplined mind, it's impossible to keep a random thought from passing through your mind. I don't know about you. I don't care. Maybe you are are super spiritual. And when you pray, nothing ever comes through your mind other than Jesus and the blood of Calvary and the Holy Spirit and God and his power and his authority. But you know what? For me, every once in a while, I'm praying and I go, oh, that's right. I didn't start the grill. Oh, oh, that's right. I, that's right. I got I to, gotta, oh, I forgot I got that appointment today. I got to get out of the house. I got to make sure, oh, i got to have to put that by, the, by my key so I don't forget that on my way out the door. There's stuff that comes into your head. Yeah. And so you can just say, well, I'm going to just stop praying because I need to go do these things. But I don't think that that's God's will for our lives. And so we have to go, okay, how do we, stay connected mentally how do we make sure that I have a disciplined mind and I'm connected mentally and I'm not uh, so that 20 minutes later I didn't just go what did I just say over the last 20 minutes I just kept saying Lord I love you mighty God Jesus I love you Lord God Father help me. and my mind is somewhere else and 20 minutes later I go what did I just what did I just do no, I, I want to have a disciplined mind. I want to be like, okay, God, I'm in this. I'm, I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about your goodness. I'm thinking about what I'm talking to you about. If you've, if maybe you've even done this with your spouse. They're like, are you listening to me? You don't even look like you're listening. I know that probably never happens in any of our houses, but maybe out there in the world, they, they probably have that happen sometimes. Because we have to tune in. There's a difference between just kind of being present in body but not in mind versus tuned in. My wife sometimes will go, I'll just talk to you later. I can tell you're trying to finish something. And I'll say, I'm sorry, yes. But we have to do dis- Well, so, so we can't, it's not like we can go, I'm going into my prayer time and it's like a shade or a blind that you just pull it closed and no thoughts now can enter our mind. So we have to figure out a way what works for you. What works for you. For me, if something comes into my mind and it is so pressing and I'm like, Oh, no, I cannot forget to do Like, I will walk downstairs and just set something by my keys and, and walk down and just keep praying because I don't want that to plague my prayer time. If it's something like, I totally forgot to call somebody, I will just put my phone and I will put it in my calendar for later in that day, call so-and-so back, set my phone down. Because I don't want my mind, I don't want that to, I'm not going to stop and call that person right now. But I don't want that to plague my prayer time. I don't want that to continue to bombard and, and distract me from what I'm trying to accomplish in being in the presence of the Lord and hearing his voice for my day. And so you have to find what works for you. That's what works for me. Then there's the obstacle of emotions. If we can, if we wait until we feel like praying, you might never pray. I might never pray. If you're like, you know what, I really feel like I should wake up an hour early tomorrow and pray. Your body tomorrow. When your alarm goes off an hour earlier than it normally does, your body is going to start to give you so many incredible reasons, I mean, why you've got to stay in that bed. I mean, you will start to have justifications in just moments. So I can pray later. Well, yeah, I'll try and I'll hit snooze. My 30 minutes is still a good, powerful walk with God. You know, I should start this tomorrow. I should pray when I get home tonight. I'll be more awake. And we just start to justify everything. (laughs) The flesh is so strong. And it makes and it makes such a compelling argument. When you're laying there on your pillow and it's dark and the covers are all up, and you're like, the sun's not even out yet. And then if it's raining, oh, it's a good day to sleep in. I mean, our flesh will tell us the craziest stuff. Like rain. We have to stay in bed because it's raining. But yet our flesh does dumb stuff. And we are like, "It sounds good. That's, that's good stuff. <laughs> and then we'll drop, oh, I can pray on my way to work. Some people will do that. But you know what? For me, I don't want to be having my time with Jesus when I'm like driving, looking at the map, thinking about what i got to be doing as I'm getting to work. I want time that is consecrated. Like the incense. Hey, this, he says, your incense, nothing else touches that. It's only Purpose. This mixture is just for the presence of the Lord. For my prayer, I don't want anything else touching it. It's only for the presence of the Lord. I'm not combining it with a drive, with a, a movie, with a book. With a, No, I want just set aside, consecrated, to just hear his voice and be in his presence. And so, you might not feel like praying. Well, when when did Jesus ever say, your feelings will make you whole? He says, your faith has made you whole. It's your faith, not your feelings. Faith will heal, save, conquer, deliver. Believe and act even when you don't feel like it. American author Philip Yancey says this. The trick of faith, I love this. The trick of faith is to believe in advance what will only make sense in reverse. The trick of faith is to believe in advance what will only make sense in reverse. And then the obstacle of silence. This is a big one. It's easy to pray when others are praying. That's why I talk to you about our prayer meetings. What'll happen is, oftentimes, we will pray, and it will be 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, whatever, okay? And we will pray. So our last prayer meeting, 7 o'clock, Wednesday, you will see powerful prayer until about 7.30 or so. And that's when the flesh starts to fatigue. That's where our flesh starts to go, Man, I've been praying a decent amount of time. And people start looking around, and conversations start happening. And then other people hear conversations, so they will, start to, they will start to kind of taper off in prayer. Because it's a lot easier to just talk to a smiling face that's engaging me right here than to go deeper in spiritual realm and things. And so as people start to drop off, the prayer culture starts to change oftentimes. Because it was a lot easier to pray when everyone else was praying. This will happen. If we go downstairs to Children's Ministry Rock Church, I'm not down there a lot. Wish I could get down there more. But I would guess that Brother Rich would say, oh, man, when the kids are all praying, it's okay. But when when, when some of them stop praying and start goofing around, it's hard to probably keep the rest of them in prayer. And, you know, we never really use, lose that, even into adulthood. And so it can be easy to pray when others are praying. Your prayers move along the stream of congregational prayers, but how, how do you do in the quietness, the stillness of your own space, of your own prayer closet, whatever that looks like? How do you, how do you manage that? Well, as my dad told me one time, I was so bummed. I was at a youth congress, and back then it was just tiny compared to what it is now. But I remember every, I felt like every other person in the whole group just had a move of God. Everybody was just like crying and praying, speaking to us. I'm like, I love you, God. I want to cry like them. I remember calling my dad as a teenager, as a young teenager, and I was like, man, dad, I, I, I don't have sin in my life that I'm aware of. There's not, like, unrepented sin. I love God. I'm dedicated to him. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not having the same experience that, that they have. is kind of a bummer. And God was like, or dad, my dad was like, Gary, he said, the fact is good enough until the feeling comes. And I was like, well, what's that supposed to mean? He's like, the fact that you're a child of the king, you walk with him, you have a prayer life. He's like, don't, don't base everything just on feelings. You're there. You pursue him. You talk to him. You don't have any less of a relationship because somebody else was crying at an altar and you weren't. As long as you're pursuing him, and the fact is I'm serving him. I'm dedicated to him. I'm I'm, 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 I'm talking to him. He's like, don't let just the, the, the feeling dictate what happens in the depth of your relationship on any given time. And so... Base your relationship on with, with Christ, not, not on how you feel each day. But know that every time that I whisper a prayer, I speak a prayer, I say a prayer, that is like an incense that comes up and it is stored and it reaches the ears of my God and my creator. Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that we can pray with insincerity and with sincerity since our prayers are more offerings of our hearts. Our motives need to be pure. There obviously is a right and a wrong way to pray. What do I mean by that? Well, Matthew 6, 5, he says, when you pray, don't be like a hypocrite. So obviously there's a way he doesn't want us praying. Hypocrites pray publicly on the street corners in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they're gonna get. So we gotta pray genuinely. Pray, we should be real, not like a hypocrite. There's no need. And I talked about this in depth on Sunday. I won't go back into it. You don't have to meet a quota of these and thou's. You don't have to pray a certain decibel level. If, I mean, if you talk in these and thou's, like I said on Sunday, go for it. Do what you do you don't have to pray like someone else prays. Now if you have no idea how to pray, go to a men's prayer, go to a ladies' prayer, get, get around the altar, ask people if you can pray with them. Why? Because you will hear the way they connect with God. You don't have to model everything you say after what they say, but being around someone who prays will teach you about depth in prayer. And so God is not impressed when we go seven these, seven thou's. He just, but I do think, and this is where maybe I differ from people, that there should be a certain set aside time that people who say, it's not about the quantity, the length of prayer, it's about the quality of prayer. Oftentimes those people probably are just not praying very long, okay? So there should be a set aside time that we say, no. These 30 minutes, this hour, this hour and a half, whatever it is that I go into the presence of God and I, and grand, oh, the God's presence is everywhere. I understand that, but this is a consecrated time where I go and I say, God, I'm coming into your presence with this mindset and I'm going to be here. This is an appointment in my day. I'm going to be here. Listening for your voice, sharing my thoughts with you, having this relationship for these next 60 minutes or whatever it is, that nothing else is stepping into this time. Sometimes I chuckle to myself when someone starts to pray, (laughs) I told you on Sunday, and their voice changes three octaves. Just be you. God made you, you. Be you. Jesus mentioned about praying publicly for reward. I'm not going to be much longer. The Bible records public prayer meetings. We need public prayer meetings joining together with other believers. We need them. They're good for the body of Christ. But only you know in your heart about where your prayers are. Don't don't pray a certain way just to be heard or noticed. Prayer meetings are not bullet points on your spiritual resume. They are opportunities for churches to unify and seek God and his will and his plan for our lives, both corporately as a church and as individuals. And if every time a prayer meeting starts, you're sitting there with arms crossed looking around, go and think, why am I not connecting with God right now? Chances are, If we're not connecting with God in a public prayer setting, it's probably because we're not connecting with him throughout the week. And so we have to be able to go, because if we can't pray in a public prayer setting, it doesn't get any easier than that. And so we have to start going, okay, this is a a fixture in who I am on Monday, on Tuesday, so that when I, I can come into a prayer meeting, oh, this is incredible. Because why? Because this is the overflow of what I've already been investing in throughout the week. Prayer is communicating with your friend. Don't make it so much about like punching a time clock and it's a job. It's not work. It's commitment. It's consecration. But it's about investing in my relationship with the one who loves me more than anybody. He wants to hear your voice. I'm trying to teach Titus this right now as we're praying more. He was praying. He was with me uh, the other morning, and I was praying, and he got up a little early, and we were. he was sitting on my lap or sitting with his head on my shoulder, and I was praying. I said, let's pray together right now. He's like kind of sitting there, and I was like, are you praying? He's like, yeah. So I'm trying to explain to him, buddy, but God created your voice and he finds your voice just beautiful and incredible and he wants to hear that voice and so at that age I'll say well why don't you go ahead and repeat after me now I understand that that's not going to be the long-term time way he prays but for now I'm like I want to start to teach you this is how He prays. so begin to say these words yeah well now what would you say What's something you would thank God for? So try and get him to think for himself. But I'm going to repeat this because I want him to get used to vocalizing, verbalizing prayer to Jesus. Because prayer is so important. It's something I want to hand down generation to generation. The old song says, What a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Through prayer, we are led from our ways to his ways. Through prayer, we cast our cares on a caring God. Through prayer, we share the load of praying with brothers and sisters. There appears to be only one thing that could ever conquer God. From what I see in scripture, there appears to be one, only one thing that I could ever say would conquer God. That thing alone is prayer. God actually invites us. He invites us to conquer his silence through prayer. Understand, I'm not saying he's going to be defeated, but I'm saying that that when we we actually can conquer the silence, he's, he's going, come to me ask seek knock come he invites us to conquer the silence through prayer abraham prayed and god spared Lot. jacob prayed and god changed him a syrophoenician woman prayed and the lord answered the door elijah prayed and god rained down fire elisha prayed and life came back into a dead child Manasseh in his distress prayed, God answered his prayers. Samson prayed, even in a fallen state, and God answered him yet again. Daniel prayed, and angel Gabriel showed up. Cornelius prayed, and the angel brought Simon Peter to him out of nowhere. Paul and Silas prayed, and jailhouse doors were open. and earthquake came. Stephen prayed, and the heavens were opened. I'm telling you, we serve a God who is ready to act, who is literally ready to perform signs, wonders, miracles, to use your life, to answer your prayers, to dispatch angels, to perform miracles. But we somehow have gotten content in 2023 to carry smartphones and climb the corporate ladder. And God is sitting there with miracles in his hands. And they're not being dispersed because his people are not What does God want to do right now in Refuge Church, through Refuge Church, in the year 2023, in the 21st century, in the community of of liberty in the greater Kansas City area? If he just had some men and women who are like, no, everything else needs, no, this hour a day, nothing touches this. Nothing will touch my time of prayer. Would you stand to your feet? You know, Job prayed as well. He prayed despite his circumstances and difficulties. And surely, as the Old Testament incense was to be pure, Job said, my prayer will be pure. And so tonight, again, we're being implored, God's speaking, and we're feeling this, this call, this challenge to pray. And our hearts right now are going, yes, I want to go to the altar. Yep, this is true. Oh, God, I want it. I heard somebody say, we can have as much of God as we want. The question is, how much of ourselves are we willing to give? You literally, right now, can have as much of God as you want. But how much of ourselves are we willing to give? And right now, our, our, our minds, our bodies, our spirits are like, yes, this is true. Yep, God, I love you. Oh, I need to pray. This is good. Yep, I need to pray. Yep. And then the flesh instantly will start going, yeah, but fasting, I'm hungry. Body prayer, oh, I'm tired. And so our flesh will not just let, it's not gonna just let you develop a new spiritual habit. It's gonna be battling you starting tomorrow morning. Like if you're already in your mind going, yeah, I haven't been praying like I want to, it's gonna start tomorrow morning. Your flesh already, like your kids are gonna, the dog's gonna puke on the carpet overnight. I mean, like crazy stuff is gonna happen. The enemy's not going to just go, "Yeah, that's fine, go ahead and go pray." No, 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 no. Enemy don't even care if we go to church and no, but if enemy wants to keep us from actually walking in this type of power and authority and relationship with God. So just know that. But yet I feel God going, I want to know my people more, and I want my people to know me more. Because if God created you, He already knows you. But yet He says, make your request known. He says he, prayer is important. He wants to hear your voice. But I think where we're missing it is God wants to reveal Himself. And the only way that that happens is through prayer. The only way that God will reveal Himself to you in, a, in an in-depth, yeah, you can you'll learn about Him in the Word on Sundays and Wednesdays, absolutely. But He wants more than that. Where on Monday and Tuesday, as you start to walk and go to school and work and jobs, he's trying to reveal himself. And he's going, oh, what I could do if she would just bring that to me. Oh, what I could do for him if he would just start his day with me. Oh, what I would love to do if he would just put his trust in me. Oh, if she would just listen to my voice right now. I have answers for her that she's desperately searching for. That's the invitation that we have from God tonight. I invite you to come. And to bring the incense to an altar. Just like the altar of incense in the Old Testament. I invite you to bring your incense to the altar right now. And to begin to offer that up as a sweet smelling savor to the Lord. What is that? That is me saying this isn't for anything else right now. I want to begin to offer up my prayers. Prayers of saints that approach the altar of incense. And here's the incense God. I begin to offer it to you right now Jesus. Father, I want you to hear my voice right now, God. God, but not just that, I want to hear your voice, Jesus. I want to hear yours. Reveal yourself to me, God. God, I don't want to be a man or a woman of prayer, Jesus. A house house of prayer. The prayer.